Hey, and welcome back to Ancient Ways for Modern Days. Uh, I'm Mike Freeman, and today we are in Hebrews chapter 6. Now, yesterday we looked at this warning at the end of Hebrews 5 that urges us to, to press on toward a mature faith, toward a toward an ability to teach the basic doctrines of the scripture, to, to grow in our faith, not be those who, who just drink milk, but those who can have meat, the, the steak of God's word, right? And so today we're, we're following the text and right into chapter six, there is, there is one of the, the famous or maybe infamous, infamous warning passages in the book of Hebrews. And so I want to dive in today. I want to look at this and I want to, I want to ask us to consider this text in light of some other passages in scripture and really what the author's intention is here. Uh, so the author, he's writing, and this is likely a sermon. It's a sermon to uh, believers, likely in Rome, and th there's probably some tension in their life between um, going back toward a Jewish-based faith, like going back to Judaism. There's a tension toward um, conforming to the, the Roman cultists in, in that world. There's all this tension in their life. And uh, and we've already seen that they haven't pressed on toward maturity yet. They haven't grown and to become the teachers that they're called to be. And so this is a lot of just encouragement toward uh, growth, encouragement toward trusting that the Lord will lead you forward. And so with that said, let, let me just uh, have you turn with me to Hebrews 6. Let's begin in verse 1. This follows this, uh, this exhortation toward growth. And he says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings and the laying of, on of hands and the resurrection of dead and eternal judgment. Now he's not saying let's let's leave this behind like they're not important. He's saying let's let Let's build on these. We've got these foundational, these elementary doctrines. These are the things that all of us should understand. Let's not, let's not just stay there in these basics, but let's go forward. Let's grow more. And, uh, and then he continues. Verse 3, and we will do this if God permits. Don't, don't forget that verse. Verse 4, for it is impossible. Here are the warnings. In the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have it shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. This is, this is, a, uh, this is a warning passage. This is a scary passage. We might read this on our own and be like, what is going on? And, and might even think like, is this me? Well, let's talk about this. The, the first question we have to ask is, who, who does the author of Hebrews have in mind? There's debate. Are, are these genuine Christians? Are they, are they professing but not believing Christians? And, and, and there's debate within sound theological belief that uh, that falls on both sides of this. There's some that say these are Christians, and there's some that say these are these are people that hang out church. They say Christian things, but they're not Christians. Now, I I think the text leads us to uh, to to believe they are Christians. I mean, look at some of these descriptions. It says 
they've been enlightened. This is the idea we, we hear Paul talks about having this, uh, this blindness removed so we can see the glory of the gospel of Christ. They have tasted the heavenly gift. They have shared in the Holy Spirit. They have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. This leads me to believe that there, there is a genuine faith here. They know what's true. They, they have experienced the truth. Now, could it be that they've only uh, tasted, but they haven't believed? Yes, it could. But, but I, I tend to lean toward the spot where these are likely authentic, genuine Christians. And then it says, and then they have fallen away. Okay, this is a genuine Christian. It says it, it's impossible if they've fallen away. Then it says to restore them to repentance. Since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. This is basically saying that they have fallen away, saying that they, they reject Christ. That they need something else besides Christ. They're trying to crucify Christ again, which is impossible. This is, this is a, a rejection of Christ. So it's impossible for those who reject Christ to, to have this experience. This is talking about someone who's a genuine believer and has turned whole cloth away from Christ. This is an intense warning. Now, with this intense warning, I think we have to remember a few parts of this text. I think we have to go back a little bit and think through this with some clarity and remember that the, the goal of the, this author of Hebrews is to push us toward maturity. It's not to make us question if we're saved or not. I think some passages are important here. Um, you actually got to go a little bit further, verse 9. When he gets to verse 9, he says, that Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. So he says, here's, here's this issue. If someone has believed in Christ and then they've, they've turned away completely and rejected Christ, it's impossible to restore them again. But here's what he says in verse 9. He says, but this isn't you. He says, in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. So he's warning. He's saying following away from Christ is, it's to your own detriment. But for you believers, we don't think this is the case. Um, verse 6. He's, we go back about pressing forward and growing. He says, we will do this if God permits. Verse, or chapter six, verse three, he says, listen, God's the one that permits this. God's the one that ensures that we will go forward. God's the one that will keep us from, from falling away. And then if you were to go back to uh, chapter three, verse six, uh, speaking of Christ, it says, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And here's what it says. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Now, Christ is the one who's faithful over the house. And who is the house? Well, we are the ones that are part of the house. And, and so there's this, this kind of this tension here, Christ's faithfulness, and then we hold fast in our confidence. But, but Christ is the one who's faithful over the house. So Christ is the one who's faithful to continue to help us hold fast to our confidence and our boasting. The same chapter, verse 14, says, For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence to the end. Now, 
there's a few different passages we're talking about here and, and a lot of ideas to wrestle with, but, but here's where I land on this passage. Here's where I land on really these Hebrew warnings. The warning passages in the book of Hebrews, they, they give us this tension of, of we are to hold fast and hold firm to our confidence in Christ. We're to not turn away, but, but they do this in light of the reality that Christ holds firm to us. They do this in light of, of this reality that Christ is the one that's over God's house, that we will go forward if, in fact, God's, God permits. See, this calls us to this, this perseverance, but we, we have to see this perseverance. It's in light of God's preservation. God will preserve his people. God doesn't fail at saving us. God, God is in sovereign control of, of rescuing us into his eternal kingdom. And so what should the believer hear? What should a believer feel? How should a believer respond when they wrestle with these passages? Well, a, a believer should respond with repentance. A believer should respond by saying, you know what, I'm not taking my faith as seriously as the Lord would call me to. And they should recognize when you read these passages, when you hear these words, the Lord's actually working in your life right now, calling you toward maturity, calling you to not just um, not just rely on the basics and say, you know, I've got Jesus, everything's okay, I can live my life however I want, but instead calling you toward a mature faith. God will permit that this. You know how God permits it? He permits it by having you read this text, by having you hear teaching on this text, by, by using his spirit in your life to awaken in you this, this holy fear that says, no, I certainly need to, to trust in the Lord. I need to cling to Christ. And as I cling to Christ, I need to remember Christ clings to me. You know, if you hear these words and they strike your soul with fear, here's, here's what I'd say to you. If we were just sitting across from the desk with each other or over a cup of coffee, and you say, Mike, I, I read these passages and I'm, I'm really worried. I'm really struggling. I, I, I'm scared. You know, I, I would tell you, I'd say, listen, uh, first thing, have you trusted in Jesus as your only hope for salvation? Have you trusted in him? And if you were to look at me and say, Mike, I trust in him, but I'm just worried I'm not good enough. I'm worried I'm not, I'd say, listen, no, trusting in Christ means it's not about being good enough. It's not about working hard enough. It's not about whether you, you never sin again or if you sinned today. You will sin. Here's what it's about. It's about in those moments when you sin, it's turning back toward Christ. Not trusting in your ability to be good enough, but repenting and clinging to Christ, begging for his help and trusting that he will give it. This is the call. And then in this call, it's saying, listen, let's, let's grow together. Let's learn more of the scripture together. Let's find opportunities for you to serve and in time find opportunities for you to teach where appropriate so that you can, you can leave behind the elementary, the basics, and you can progress toward maturity. And it's recognizing that you and I do this. We do this because God permits it. He's sovereignly working in your life right now, even as you wrestle with these things. And this is, this is the ancient way. 
This is the ancient way for our modern days to recognize God is working even in our struggle. He is moving us toward maturity. And so we're called to repent. We're called to grow. And we do it with an absolute reliance on the Lord. This is our ancient way for our modern day.